0: really excited to be with you today. If we haven't met before, my name is Ryan. I've got the pleasure of being one of the pastors of the church here. Uh, I was having a conversation uh, on Wednesday with my friend Kofi of whether he is football's coming home or whether he's chanting for England, uh, even though he may be from Ghana. And he was, there was a bit of tension in his answer because, you know, he loves Ghana and he is a black star through and through. But today, he is an England fan, as are all of you. Amen. Oh, there's a a few grumbles there. You can support England tonight. It would be great to see. Uh, and so if you haven't been with us over the past few weeks, or whether you have, just to remind you, we have been uh, speaking and doing a campaign through the book of Acts, and, and it's called the Acts of the Apostles, it's, it's kind of everything that happened directly after the death and resurrection Jesus. And so today we are going to look at a few different groups of verses that are within the book of Acts that all have a similar recurring theme. But first, let me ask you a question. What is one of the worst or silliest lies you have ever believed? Uh, and so I don't know about you, and I don't know if this uh, is like kind of cross-cultural, uh, but, but us British kids were told that when we were younger, you know that light that's in the car, the, like, the little reading light, like you cannot have that on at all. The police will be called. You will be arrested. You will be sent to jail if that light is on. Has anyone been told that lie uh, when they were younger? Yeah, a number of us. Uh, uh, my wife... Uh, her in-laws uh, told her that if she got in the bath or like a swimming pool or a paddling pool too, uh, uh, too quickly after eating, she would drown and die. Has anyone else been told a similar kind of lie? Yeah, a number of people. That is nonsense, all right? You can get in the bath after you've had your dinner, you're okay. Uh, I'll tell you a lie that we have told our daughter and you can use this for free because it works, okay? We have told our daughter, and we are terrible parents for telling her this, we have told our firstborn, Isabel, that when an ice cream truck goes past and he's playing the ding, ding, ding dingy long music, that means there is no ice creams left, (laughs) okay? We are awful, awful people, aren't we? We are just the worst. Uh, The reason why I shared those silly examples is because uh, sometimes it's really possible for us to kind of believe a bit of a lie about our faith, about Christianity in general, or about God himself. And I think the lie we believe is because as Christians, we want to follow God. And sometimes we we think the lie that we believe, that if we follow God, that means that we're going to have a cushy life that we're going to get life easy. Uh, uh, And so that means that we're going to have full bank accounts, health, promotions, all of that kind of stuff, just because we follow God. And you need to hear me right. Those, Those are fantastic things to be praying for. There is nothing wrong in any way whatsoever than praying for the health and wealth for yourself and for your family. It's perfectly acceptable and right to do so that we pray for an increase in our influences in our workplace, in our schools and all of that sort of stuff. But our faith should never ever be dependent on those things. Because each one of those things, your health, your wealth and your happiness, each one of those things are sinking sand. They, each one of those things are temporary. Our faith should never be built on any single one of them. And we want to learn a little bit more about what Christianity uh, is sometimes like. Not for everyone, but sometimes like. And so we're going to turn to Acts 7 together. If you have an old-fashioned paper Bible or an app, on your Bible, uh, on your on your iPad, or whatever you want to turn to Acts chapter seven, but all of the words are behind me, uh, and so we are we are reading about a guy called Stephen, and Stephen has just gone into uh, the Sanhedrin, which is like in front of all of the religious Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, and he has just told them about Jesus. He has just told them about the power of Jesus. He has just told them that the Jesus. Uh, fought and defeated death, that he was resurrected, that he has come, that he has come to bring life and life to the full. He has told them that he has brought an advocate, a helper, a friend within the Holy Spirit and he has sent the Holy Spirit to be with us today and the Jewish leaders hated him for it. And so we're going to read together in Acts 7 verse 54 onwards. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him, out of the city and began to stone him meanwhile the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of the young man named Saul while they were stoning him Stephen prayed Lord Jesus receive my spirit and then he fell on his knees and he cried out Lord do not hold this sin against them when he said this he fell asleep I don't know about you But I read that story and I look at Stephen's life as he laid there at the outskirts of the city of Jerusalem, on the ground, dying, covered in blood. To me, that does not look like health, wealth, and happiness. But how the heck does that happen? How do these people who are so in love with Jesus, set on fire, full of the Holy Spirit, have such atrocities happen to them? We actually learn that pretty much all of the apostles, all of the people who who were disciples who spent time with Jesus died because they followed Jesus. How does that happen? How does that happen when we can read our Bibles and the psalm says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. We want that part of the Bible, amen? But we don't necessarily want the Acts 7 part of the Bible, We don't want the part where people are stoned to death because of their faith. So how? How do these two biblical truths, because that's what they are. They're both biblical truths. How do they sit in harmony with one another when seemingly they can be at odds with one another? I give my life to you, Lord. We say that, don't we? I give my life to you. Oh, but wait, hold up. I didn't mean actually give my life. I mean... I give my life to you so I can get some stuff from you and I can have some prosperity and and all that sort of stuff. I didn't mean I actually wanted to give, give, give my life. That wasn't part of the deal. But that's the reality that we live in. We live and we hold in the balance this following, a good God who gives good gifts to his children, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and provides for every need, but also Calls, up to give, uh, calls us to give up our own lives, even if we have to give up the very air in our lungs, even if it means giving up something that we hold on to dearly. And if both of these are true, how is this story in the book of Acts teaching us anything? But it's really important that we don't stop at the end of Acts 7, that we continue to read into Acts 8. So again, all of the text is going to be behind me, or if you're watching online, on the screen in front of you now. And so Stephen had just been killed in Acts 8. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them into prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down into the city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the, crowds heard that Philip, uh, when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs that he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralysed or lame or healed. For there was great joy in that city. And so we look back to the Great Commission at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. And Jesus told the disciples to go out and make disciples of all nations. And then again at the start of the book of Acts, the disciples were told again by Jesus to make disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But at this current moment in Acts 7 and 8, all of the disciples and all of the Jesus followers were still in Jerusalem. But because of what had happened to Stephen, they scattered. They were pushed from their homes and they were forced into new places the final bit of acts we're reading today acts 11 from 19 onward, says now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia Cyprus Antioch Spreading the word amongst the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them that the good news about the Lord Jesus, the, Lord, the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch where, when he believed and he saw the grace of what God had done. And so because of the persecution that broke out against the believers of Jesus in Jerusalem, we see just a few chapters later that the, the profound effect that it had on Christianity in the Middle East. Churches birthed and started out. And we see later in, in the book of Acts the missionary journeys of a guy called Paul who went to visit All of these churches that were conceived and birthed from the scattering of believers in Jerusalem through this persecution. There should be a a little map on the screen behind me of what this actually looked like in that area. Is it behind? Can we get that on? Perfect. Uh, and so we have Jerusalem uh, and they spread out and they, some of them went north to Phoenicia and Antioch. Some of them went south through Judea to Egypt to Cyrene and then back over to Cyprus. Uh, and, they, and it spread, it spread like wildfire. You can, you can imagine uh, these people who, uh, who had so little possessions. They, they left within the fear of their life and travelled either by foot or by donkey to these places that was not home. But they had one thing, the good news of Jesus Christ. Most Bible commentators will tell you that the persecution of the early church was like petrol on a fire. It was one of the main components in spreading Christianity out to the Middle East. And in fact, the ironic thing is when Christianity became legal at something called the Edict of Milan in the 300s by the Roman Emperor Constantine, he made Christianity legal and it was actually that that dramatically slowed down the spread of faith. And so it was almost like Christianity and the church kind of thrives under a bit of pressure. It's almost like us sitting here on a Sunday morning, all comfortable, knowing the authorities aren't going to come and knock us down. uh, And being in that comfort zone may not be the best thing for the spread of the good news of Jesus Christ. And we have to think, think, think for a second that these people, they were fleeing persecution and these people took the gospel from purely being in Jerusalem purely being just for the Jewish believers uh, 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 and so at this point uh, they weren't refugees they weren't they weren't religious refugees they were missionaries they were missionaries that had a purpose And that is such a profound shift in our thinking, that even though something horrific and bad was happening to them, they weren't just leaving Jerusalem to save their lives, but they were leaving because they had a Holy Spirit mandated purpose to go out and take the gospel to Judea, Judea, Sumeria, and to the ends of the earth. That was their mission. And this purpose that was only realized when their backs were against the wall. This purpose was only acted on when they were in the face of persecution and death. This purpose was only fulfilled when they knew that they were following the lead of the Holy Spirit. And so with the time that I have remaining, I would love to be able to highlight some things from the verses that we read today. And I'd love to share three things that I think we, as 21st century Christians, can learn from what we have been speaking about this morning. And that's the first one is, God could be using your situation to take the presence of God into a new territory. God is calling each one of us to be presence carriers. To carry the very presence of God into dark places of this world. And that may be your neighbours on your street. That may be your work colleagues. That may be your family and your friends who maybe just need a touch of hope that comes with knowing the Lord Jesus. Let's use an everyday example for a second. Say you have a job and you absolutely love your job. But if something happened to you and you feel unduly treated, maybe you feel like someone has it in for you, maybe a situation has arisen and the blame comes on you, even though you've just been doing the best you can. What if God was allowing a situation to happen in order to prepare you for something new? Something new which never would have been on the cards unless this situation would have happened. Because God wants you full Of the Holy Spirit to be somewhere where there is no one else to carry that presence. God wants to infiltrate every part of our world with His light. And we need to be really careful here because there may be some people who really hate their job. Uh, and I am not telling you to, 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 to put your notice in tomorrow when you get into your office. It's actually more than likely God is going to call you to stay in a situation for your own growth and development and to be an agent of change in those places. Um, uh, uh, but God sometimes, just like he did in the, in the book of Acts here with the early church, called them to take the presence of God into places that desperately needed it. We see that the gospel, it spread from town to town and it continued and then it ended up reaching Rome, which was pretty much the capital of the whole world, the most influential place in the known world at this time. The gospel reached it and it went into that place and it affected great change. We never want to take it away from what the early church went through in those moments, or many people, many, many people who have gone through similar things since. I have sat and spoke with people who have had to flee their own countries because of the persecution they were facing, because they were Christians. We never want to take away from what you went through. But my friends, never underestimate the power that comes with people who keep the faith, even in the midst of opposition and persecution. Never underestimate the power that comes with giving God the glory and being in an authentic, real relationship with Jesus. You don't know how much that's going to speak to people who have no hope, to see how you and I deal with these situations. And so the second one, second thing I'd love for us to learn uh, is is that no matter what situation you are finding yourself in today, there is nothing, nothing, not one thing that God cannot turn around for his glory. Fifteen or so minutes ago, we sang, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turned it for good we believed it 15 minutes ago when we were singing it. I wonder how many of us would believe that when we're in the midst of the battle. We don't just want to sing it on a Sunday, we want to live it. We want to live it in every moment of our lives. But then, my friends, there is nothing, there is nothing that can stand in the way of God getting the glory. In this moment in the book of Acts, when people were being martyred for their faith, the devil, Saul, the Jewish leaders and others, they wanted to squash what they thought was a small rebellious group of Jesus followers. Christianity wasn't its own religion by this point. It was just an offshoot of Judaism. So they wanted to squash it. They wanted to nip it in the bud whilst they still had a chance. Uh, uh, but, But through what happened, God used it. I'm not saying he caused it in any way, but he sure as heck used it. He used it for his good and for his glory. And so there may be some stuff you're going through right now that you just can't see. You just can't see how this will happen, how God will use it. Uh, But one day you will look back If you're in the middle of the fire right now, one day you will look back, sometimes with hindsight, and you will be able to say, wow, look what my God has done. He took that pain, he took that injustice, he took that hurt, he took that attack, and he used it for his glory. We look back at a biblical story in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Uh, this guy called Joseph, he was thrown down a well and was sold into slavery by his very own flesh and bro- blood, his brothers. Uh, and he said to those very people, his actual blood brothers, after he had found favor with Pharaoh in Egypt, he says, Don't be afraid am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what he, what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You know, Joseph probably didn't think when he was down the well that God was going to use it for his glory, God, uh, Joseph didn't think that, uh, that when he was sold into slavery, God was going to use it. Joseph didn't think when he was accused of sleeping with part of his wife and thrown into prison for years and years and years that God was going to use it. But he's able to stand there years later and say, look at what my God has done. He took what the enemy meant for evil and he turned it for good. You may just not be able to see it right now. But God is in it all. God is in every situation. But sometimes the battle has our eyes cloudy. It's sometimes so difficult to see where he's at work. But keep the faith. Keep the faith, even if you're stuck in the battle. Even if you're stuck in the fire. Even if you're facing some atrocities. God can use and bring about any situation for his good. And then finally, and probably most importantly, suffering, hardships, persecution, whatever bad situation you may be going through, that does not equate to God abandoning you. We often think that In the absence of health, wealth, happiness, whatever that may look like, we often think that that means that God's gone, that God's left us. But just because you don't have a fat bank account this morning, church, does not equate to God abandoning you. If you're really struggling with whatever, if you're whatever situation you're in, don't let your emotions override the truth of who God is. And it's so understandable It's so understandable when we're in the valley, when we're in the mire, when we're stuck and we feel like we can't move forward that we begin to question. And so if you're doing that today, there is no guilt and there is no shame. It even happened to King David. And King David is probably one of the most famous people in the whole of the the thousands of pages in the Bible. And King David asked this of God in one of the Psalms. He says, my God... My God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. And it's so understandable, isn't it? You can do everything that God has asked of you. David himself was really faithful by this point in his life. He'd fought Goliath. He'd served as the harpist for King Saul. He'd been a military commander and seen victory after victory because he was faithful to God. Yet because of who he was and the promises over his life, he found himself being attacked by Saul and he had to go on the run. And so he's probably sitting in a cave, abandoned by all of his closest allies with just a few people left around him because he had a price on his head and he was struggling to hear the voice of God and so you may be in the hardest time of your life right now and you too may be struggling to hear the voice of God in the middle of the battle in the middle of the attack but do you want to know what David's secret was do you want to know his secret to his success in this very next verse even though he thinks God is abandoning him, he says these words, yet you are holy. Yet you are holy. You see, David knew that God didn't change just because our situations have. He knew that God isn't less holy just because we feel like God isn't there. David knew that God was with him in every step of his life. He knew that the holiness of God, the goodness and mercy would follow him, even though he was going through some really rubbish situations. And so, my friends, whatever you are going through today, we need to respond in a similar fashion. We need to respond by shouting, God, you are still holy. Stand with me, church. We need to respond by saying, God, I still love you. We need to respond in the middle of those circumstances by shouting at the top of our lungs, God, bring something good out of this. We need to, with every part of our body, say, use me in this, Lord. We need to start singing and shouting, God, I'm going to give you the glory even though it hurts. You need to scream at the top of your lungs even when you feel like you can't get anything out. I am going to see the victory because the battle belongs to who? God. And so in a moment, we are going to sing a great song called Raise a Hallelujah. And the words of that song mean so much in this moment. Because we need to be prepared to raise our hallelujahs in the middle of the mystery. When all seems lost, when you seem like you have no path when you don't know which direction to take, when you are being attacked from the front, from the back, from the right, to the left, no matter what, because you sing, you raise a hallelujah even in the presence of your enemies. You need to raise a hallelujah and say that God is still God and God is still good regardless of the outside factors that are around you right now. Even when You are surrounded by darkness even when you are surrounded by fear we worship and we pray and we praise and the reason why falls in 2nd Corinthians it says for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all so we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal my friends i know your situations may not feel light and momentary but how we respond how we react react how we keep moving forward how we keep the faith how we praise god in the storms achieves for us a glory that you have no idea And it's a glory that you may not see in the physical realm but it's a glory that you will see in the spiritual realm when you are face to face with Jesus in heaven because he will say well done good and faithful servant my friends Christianity does not give you an easy life you look at Stephen and you ask him if he had an easy life But I promise you, following God in every single moment, no matter what is coming at you, is worth every single moment because our God is worthy and our God is worthy of praise no matter what situation you're in and no matter how you're feeling. And so, with two weeks left until we can rip our masks off and sing, all together in the house of God. It's coming, but now we can still worship together, even without song. And what I want you to do is I want you right now, even in the midst of all of what is going on around you, is to have a conversation with God. Speak to God and give him everything you're going through and shout, God, I am going to worship you. I am going to praise you. I am going to give you my whole life, even in the midst of what I'm going through. Because he sees that, And it gives him the glory and it creates for us a glory that is heavenly, a heavenly reward. So let's continue to worship and let's give our praise to our God together. Thank you so much, church.